You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hello, I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast, where we talk with business owners about their journeys and the lessons they've picked up along the way. Hey, I'm pumped and excited today about our guest on this episode, whom I've known for quite some time, and I've had the pleasure of watching him skillfully navigate his business through some ups and downs which just illustrates that owning a business isn't for the weak or the feeble mind. Through it all, he's emerged successfully and taken his business to some new heights. Our guest today is Ed Niles, the CEO and owner of Network Controls, which is a leading full-service provider of structured cabling, outside plant, wireless access and controls, surveillance systems, communications, and technology infrastructure. I know Ed is also a big fan of the San Francisco 49ers and was pretty happy to go watch his team at the Super Bowl earlier this year. He's also a bit of a muscle car enthusiast and an avid outdoorsman. Please join me in welcoming today's podcast guest, Ed Niles. Ed, it's a pleasure to have you join us and welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin, I appreciate it and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, hey Ed, uh it's 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 great and an honor to uh to to have you on the show today. But before we get started talking about your business journey, I'd like to ask you to please just take a moment to share a little background about yourself. Yeah, Kevin, um I grew up as a military brat, so I've lived all over the country, a couple places overseas. Um with that being said, uh school wasn't the, my favorite thing. Uh so when we got to the college time period, I decided not to go into college. I uh, went and played around in California and some other places for a few years before uh, I actually ended up going in the military myself. Uh, I spent five years, uh, did a couple different stints, uh, one in Korea, one in Fort Hood, Texas. And I studied uh, communications in the military, where I was a 31 Fox. I could go into a lot of detail on that, but we'll just leave it there. Um, <laughs> the uh, I was able to, uh, I actually met my wife uh, at Fort Hood, and um, we've been married now for uh, 22 years, uh, Liz, and then we've had two kids, Blake and Megan. Uh, Blake is uh, now 20, can't believe it, time flies, and um, he is working for me uh, in the estimating department here at my company. And my daughter, uh, Megan, is 19. She's had a fun adventure. She spent her uh, first year of college at Ole Miss, uh, Go Rebels. And then she uh, decided to go to uh, her sophomore year. She moved back into the state and now is going to College of Charleston uh, as a business major. So uh, it's been a kind of, for the family side, it's been kind of uh, an interesting uh, 20 plus years. so, and then uh, once I got out of the military, um, we I moved into a communications field with a big corporate giant level three communications, M- moved around a little bit, Denver and Phoenix, where I ended up moving to Greer, South Carolina, with no job, just my family, and um, started looking for something new. And uh, so... So what Go was ahead. it that brought you? So what was it that brought you to Greer, South Carolina, with with no job? Um, well, unfortunately, a tragic event um, happened in my wife's family, 
and she decided she wanted to be closer to her family and her brother moved into this more into this area and uh so we quit our quit our jobs out in phoenix uh packed up the two youngsters which was at that time was two and three and moved here um <laughs> prayed on it a little bit and this is where we're at well, we're glad to have you uh, in the area, Ed, and it's, it's been a it's been a true pleasure getting to know you throughout the years. And thanks for sharing that background about yourself. And so now uh, let's let's kind of pivot over. Tell me about your business. What is it that Network Controls does, and uh, and how did you uh, how did you get started into this? Um, well, Network Controls uh, at at the start of network controls, it was an electrical contracting company, which moved into structured cabling, um, and then has got out of the electrical contracting and now is structured cabling and communication and any technology that's out there. So wireless and and DAS and surveillance cameras, card access, anything that hits the network in a commercial industrial higher ed or even a K-12 environment. Uh, we do not touch residential. Um, and, and what do you mean by, and what do you mean by structured cabling? What, what does that mean? Uh, that is the, the cable that goes from, let's say a server or a network device um, back to where your computer plugs in. So if you're in a commercial environment, the jack on the wall that your computer plugs in, we do everything that's in the wall behind that back to the server. Um, and then the fiber between those servers and the outside world. Okay. And so, and so what's your playground? Where do you, where do you operate? Um, we pretty much operate a 60 mile radius, give or take, and we'll go anywhere if the client will pay us, but our, our operating area is 60 miles outside of the, uh, Greer area. Um, we like to focus on industrial, um, the commercial is we do a little bit there, but mainly industrial, and then of course uh, K twelve higher ed and like and hospitals. Um, so that's our environment, but within the sixty mile radius of Greer. Okay, so Greer being the upstate of South Carolina. Correct, the upstate. Um, I try to stay in this market. Start traveling, it gets uh, it gets a little bit more difficult. Sure. So how did you get started in this business? What was it that uh, that brought you into network controls? Well, I needed a job. Um, and after six months of looking for a job in my industry, um, that I came out of the Army and, like I said, went to level three, I couldn't find anything in this market. It was too small of a market for what I did. Um, and so at that point, I was just looking for a job. And I, I hounded the... The owner at the time uh, in 04, when I took this job, I hounded him, hounded him, hounded him about a job. And I think they got tired of hearing from me. And um, they went ahead and hired me to come in and manage and oversee the telecommunication side of that business at the time. And so since 2004, you've had quite a journey uh, from, from coming in as an employee to now owning the company, buying the business. Uh, you're now the CEO, the owner. Uh, you're the one that has to sign on the dotted line. And so <laughs> tell us a little bit about that uh, that journey, Ed. Yeah, and it, it was definitely a journey. 
Um, so when I came in, I knew nothing about the business. Um, I knew how to sell and I knew how to manage. Um, but I didn't know anything about the actual business itself. Um, so, of course, I dove right in and started reading and taking classes and and jumped in and did the job. Um, and uh, so in that, that was in 04. And in 06, uh, we had built the business a little bit up and I was able to purchase a little bit of stock within the business at that point. Um, so two years in, I had made the decision that I was going to go for it all and try to buy this company and own it at one point in time. Um, and then continued through 2010, where I had already acquired 25% by 2010. And we had grown this business from a $1.5 million company to a $10 million company uh, by 2010, uh, with mainly the structured cabling and technology side of the business holding the grunt of that growth. So in, so in 2010, you were a 25% owner. Is that when you decided to, or was that when you uh, decided to jump all in, or when, when did that occur? Yeah, actually that occurred a few years later, um, from 2010 up until um, the late part of 2012 is when I approached the uh, current owner of the business and started discussing uh, me buying him out. Um, which it took about eight months to do. So um, September of 2013 is when it went through and I was the official owner of the company and CEO uh, managing it and running it on my own. Um, so basically, it took about nine months for that to happen. So let's fast forward to 2013 now to 2020. Uh, you you had you had a bit of a ride, a uh, bit of a journey, a little time under the under the hood, so to speak, with with this company. Uh, share with us a little bit about what's been your biggest challenge that you have faced in owning and running this company so far. Well, as you can imagine, uh, lots of challenges. Um, I mean, it, there's always something going on. You have lots of manpower. You have insurance, medical. Uh, vehicles, uh, clients, um, so lots of different challenges. Um, but I would have to say that one of the biggest challenges is retaining manpower, retaining your management team, keeping a steady uh, consistency of, of your core company um, is probably the biggest challenge that you have. And so, how did so? T t walk me through this. So you you've come across this situation where you know you've got this company, you have to keep people in the organization, and in order to keep it running and keep it vibrant and keep it going. Um, as you face this, and this 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 sounds like it may be a constant challenge. Is it something that's ongoing, or is it something that you've been able to work through? T talk me through that. Yeah, um, I think that we have done a pretty good job as a company to be able to create a culture and and a um, a place where people want to be where we've been able to maintain the, the manpower and the management staff within the business 
but it is definitely a constant changing environment. Um, you know, our people, I train our people very well. Um, so our people are very sought after in the, in the market, um, which means that other companies are trying to find them and, and, and lure them from us to them. So you have to create a work environment and a work culture that, that these people want to stay with you and have that loyalty to, to stick with you through the ups and downs and not just leave for what they see on the other side. And so what are some of those things? What, what have you done or what have you created in your culture that makes people want to work there, want, want to stay? Well, I think our, our number one thing is that we treat everybody as family. I mean, we we really try to maintain a good family-type environment where people can talk to people, and and it doesn't matter where you fit within the food chain of a business. If you're at the top as a CEO or as a helper that just came through the door out of high school, um, we try to make it where anybody can talk to anybody, and it's, and it's a very open, easy conversation to have with those people so that they feel comfortable about talking to you because communication and understanding what people need and desire and want are the ways to keep people uh, working for you because you can then take that information and do something with it. Um, and with that being said, some of the things that we have learned through this process is people are looking for a, a very stable place to work. They're looking for, um, good benefits. They'll look, it's not always about the paycheck. It's about the benefits. It's about the, the training. It's about the advancement opportunities. Um, and what does the company do to, to make these employees feel like they're important? You know, because they are at the end of the day, they are what makes the company go around. I know that you do a lot of things, Ed, that engages with your employees. I've, I've actually seen, actually run into you where you've uh, held some employee engagement events and, and some things like that. Uh, so I, it sounds to me like what you've done is is create that that culture of engagement with your employees. Do you do you have a sort of a hierarchy or a, a chain of command in, in military speak. So, you know, how, how does that work? How does that communication work in your company? Well, first off, we have an open door policy. Um, and and I, I make sure everybody is very aware of it. So you do, you can bypass the chain if you have to. I just want to state that first. And I think that's very important that, that somebody, if somebody needs to or feels like they need to bypass the management team and come into my office and shut the door, they are more than welcome to. Um, but we do try to keep the chain of command. So you have your, in, in our case, we have our technicians in the field. We have our supervisors. We have our, from there, we have our project managers. We have a director of operations that manages those project managers. And then it comes to me. So there's actually a if you do that math, was there four or five layers so that the people, the technicians and the employees have the ability to work through that and get what they need from those lower level management um, pieces before they have to come to 
the CEO or the HR director or something. They have those resources out there. And so, Ed, it sounds like you've created a, a, a very open uh, environment for people to have good, secure, safe dialogue uh, confidentially if they need to. Like you said, uh, come come in and shut the door and, and have that that communication with you. Uh, and, and so I applaud you for doing that. And I, I just want to ask you, how long did it take you to kind of figure this out? Was this something that you initiated from the very beginning or did it take you a bit of time to work through that and say, oh, I need to implement this as part of our culture? Walk me through that. Yeah, I would I would say it took time. You know, nothing happens overnight. Um, as taking on ownership and the responsibility at the highest level, um, the day one I did have the open door policy. Um, my management team knew to come in. My the, everybody that worked here knew to come in to talk to me. Um, but the other pieces to that puzzle um, with the the technicians going to supervisors, all the management side, we didn't have that structure. And that took a while to build a structure where there was trust and also the knowledge ability for these people to do their jobs in those different, uh, in those different levels of management. Um, building a culture that is very family Orientated takes time and t- and and it takes effort. You have to focus on it. You have to try to make it. A culture just doesn't happen. It you have to work on it. Whatever culture you may want um, within your business, you have to work on it. And it's an everyday thing you have to work on. Yeah, it's it's kind of like family relationships and and dating. It just it just takes time and it takes a lot of effort. Uh, yeah, it it sounds like and so what. What what did you what did you learn from that, Ed? Uh, as you you know as you implemented that, did you find that people were more open, or people would it took time for people to bring issues to you, or what what was it that you took away by implementing this as part of your culture? What did you learn from this? Um, it's necessary. Um, it's the very first thing I would say I learned. It is necessary. I you could see the difference in the way the company runs. Um, on a day-to-day basis, when you have a, a culture and a structure and, and processes and procedures that you put in place and, they're, and the people learn that they're not just there to be on paper, they're actually there to be used. And when they're there to be used, they realize this helps them. Um, so I would say that it is just, it took time to realize that it is a necessity um, and I would say not just for my company, for any company to have a culture and have these processes and procedures and and let your employees know what they are and help drive that home so those employees know that they're there. Because if they don't know they're there, they won't use them. If, if your employees don't know that there's a hierarchy and there's also a way to bypass that, um, those employees may not feel comfortable and they may – I've had people – during this process leave because they felt uncomfortable about a situation and didn't know what to do with it. So you have to teach your employees that uh, about those processes and about the culture that you put into place. So I imagine that's something that you, you start to discuss 
at the very beginning, when you bring somebody on board, and I have to imagine that's removed a lot of friction uh, in how people work and how people operate, and it's helped to make the machine run uh, probably so much better. Uh, like I said, removing that friction and and making it helpful and and sort of a positive atmosphere. So, Ed, thanks for sharing that experience with us. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, let's turn to uh, let's turn the page here and talk about uh, now that you've had this business under ownership uh, for the last several years. What's been what's been your biggest success that you'd like to share? Well, again, um, I guess just like challenges. Uh, Successes are are there, and there's lots there's lots of them because you have a success every day. Um, you know, you make it through the day. The bills are paid. Uh, nobody got hurt through the day. That's a, a success. Um, but I would have to say that the greatest one for for me now that I've had this uh, company under my belt for seven years, and you look back over that seven years, um, it's surviving the first 12 months of ownership of this of network controls. Well, tell me more. <laughs> what did you <laughs> encounter the first 12 months that, that you needed to survive? What tell me about that? Well, um as a as somebody that's taking on a business, um you don't know everything. Um and um with me purchasing the the rest of the business and taking on the day-to-day uh, management and ownership, um, cash flows of the business, I found out that um, there was we just weren't in a very good um, position as a company. Um, it it turned out that we just had two. We were at the time we had four different locations. Um, the the overhead I had was just um, it wasn't being utilized very well. Um, there was just a lot of, of money that we were hemorrhaging that we didn't need to be, but I didn't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, right. So with that first 12 months, you know, um, the first three months was the very end of the first year of ownership, right? So I bought it in September. You get through the end of the year. You made it, right, to the end of the year. Then it takes three more months for you to to do all your taxes and see where you were the year before. Well, it took six months in, and and I have no money. I have no money in the bank. I'm the cash flow is difficult, um, and you realize that oh crap, there's something going on. Uh, that you've got to figure out what it is, and how do you figure out what it is was my problem. Um, so nobody, so, so it sounds like nobody told you going into it that hey, these are some things that you might want to watch out for that you need to look <laughs> into. Uh, there was no playbook that that directed you toward um, these are things that you need to work on uh, coming into this as, as the owner. Uh, in other words, you opened up the drawer. It sounds like, and there were no files in it. And uh, as far as telling you what you needed to pay attention to at, at the beginning, that that's very true. Um, I could run the business, I could run the operations, and I could run the sales, and I could run the estimating, but I didn't have the background to manage the balance sheet and income statement and the, and the cash flow, and how to how to read that to help me make decisions early enough so it did not hurt the business. 
Uh, yeah. So being able to read that balance sheet and income statement and understanding your cash flows uh, is very important because it will give you a three, six, and twelve month look ahead to make sure you're doing all the you're making the right choices today. So it took you a little while just to kind of figure out what levers to pull in your business that that you could have effect upon how the business operated and how it performed and and you know both operationally and financially and and so forth it sounds like that is correct um you know so getting back to to that 12 month period you know the first the first 6 months was a was you kind of you just is that honeymoon stage with the company you're kind of you feel great you you did it you bought it it's yours you know i i this is mine you know and then it's then all of a sudden you, you you find all of these things going on in closets that you didn't know were there. Um, for me, I was to I was really a 30 days away from going out of business. I mean, um, I didn't know it at the time. It worked out, but I was literally 30 days away. But because I knew that there was a problem, I I I got in there and. I did a lot of research and a lot of number crunching, and I had to make some tough decisions as as the owner, as the CEO, and, and it wasn't fun. I mean, I had to lay people off. Uh, I had to reduce salaries. I mean, I reduced everybody's salaries. Um, I had to sell assets that belonged to the company, but also personal assets because, you know, the company's money and my money are, at the end of the day, the same. Um, you know, we we had four locations. I broke three leases and I closed down three locations and condensed it into one. Um, you know, I had to negotiate with vendors for payments. You know, we were 120 days out. Um, so you had to negotiate so that you can make these payments and keep them happy, but also still let still talk them into letting you buy stuff from them so you can operate a company. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of negotiations going on. Well, buddy, it sounds like you have learned a lot in those first 12 months and got exposed to a lot uh, during those first 12 months, and you made it through. So now that you've made it through that first 12 months and that being your, your greatest success, what is it that you believe makes some people successful while others struggle what what is it that you know you you've gotten through that now you're up to this point right now what philosophies have you developed along the way that you can share that you think that all right this is these are ed niles keys to success here um well i would say that making a decision uh, a lot of i've i've seen a lot of people uh, over the last seven years um, that I've had, I've talked to, dealt with, worked with that owner, owned companies that were at a higher position in companies, they procrastinate on making decisions. Um, I feel that making a decision, be it right or wrong, make the decision, move forward with the decision um, and make the best of that decision, but don't wait. You've got to make decisions. Um, you you've got to take the information you have uh communicate with your team you know communicate with your peers maybe talk to your peers um 
But with that, you have to do that quickly, get that information, and then make a decision. I, I feel that not making a decision is worse than making a bad decision. Uh, at least you're you're moving forward. Um, that is, I would say, the number one thing that has helped me not just get through that first 12 months, but over the last seven years. And all of those decisions that you made, I'm sure 100% of them were right. Oh, yeah. Every one of them <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fun thing about uh, it's it's... It, it's always exciting, you know, in, in business. Sometimes you take a step forward or, or two steps sideways or whatever, but you're always moving, it sounds like. And, it, you know, that's that's what keeps you on your toes, I'm sure. Yep. I mean, and, and you got you to gotta keep moving. You, you got to go to the left, go to the right. Um, sometimes you have to take a step backwards so that you can take two steps forward. Um, but you've got to continue to move. You've got to continue to make decisions. Um, you you do what you have to do what's best for the overall company. Unfortunately, you know the company is however size of a company you are. It's about the people and that are in the company. It's not about just one person. So your decisions are for the overall best interest of the company, and the company has to come first because if not. The company may not be there to take care of all those employees uh, if you haven't made those hard decisions along the way. Well, that's priority number one, Ed, it sounds like, is is taking care of the health of the company. And, and you obviously learned that lesson early uh, early in business that, uh, you know, it, because it, it's like you said, if the company isn't there, uh, then nobody's getting a paycheck, right? That's right. Uh, the company has to be there, um, you know, for anybody to get the check. And it's not about the owner or, you know, um, the owners. If it's multiple, it's about the overall company. Um, and that has to come first. And and I, I just that's again, that's my personal belief. And if and I've I feel like I've um, managed to that. And I've always made those decisions based on that one thing is that it needs to be about the company first. Well, Ed, you've certainly had some good lessons and successes along the way, and I appreciate you sharing those uh, with our listeners. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, what is it that makes you optimistic about the future of your business? Um, optimistic about the future. Uh, right now, it's very difficult, obviously, with COVID-19. Um, with the uh, other stuff going on on the political side of, of the world. But I, I feel that our business is, is very, very strong. Um, our, our business as a whole is needed for the growth of other businesses and the success of other businesses because we put that infrastructure in to allow those businesses to be able to operate. Um, and so as far as network controls goes, I feel that we have a very good uh, position to move forward um, no matter what happens on the on the country side of, of politics and everything else. Put all that aside, the, the business as a whole, I think will be fine um, if construction and growth in the, in the world slows down. We still are pretty structured with our current and um, growing clients, uh, 
I don't really want to go into the clientele, but we have clients that aren't going nowhere no matter what happens. Uh, and that keeps us very strong um, in the work that we do. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and uh, you know, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on the show here. And, you know, we're, we're about out of time and I'm going to try to wrap this up here and, and just ask you if people want to get to know more about network controls or connect with you, where's the best place for our listeners to go to to do that? Well, um, we do have a website, uh, www.networkcontrols.com. It talks a little. It talks a lot about w- what we do and the different uh, pieces that we do as far as surveillance, card access, cameras, um, structure cabling, fiber, all that. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn, uh, Edward Niles, um, and my. You can always reach out to me via email. Um, E Niles at networkcontrols.com. I'm always willing to have a conversation. Um, throw my two cents in there. If anybody asks for it, I'm willing to give it. So <laughs> if they have questions, feel free to reach out. Well, hey, thanks so much, uh, Ed, for, for sharing what you know with our guest today. It's been a real pleasure. Our guest has been Ed Niles, the CEO and owner of Network Controls in Greer, South Carolina. It has been a real pleasure. Thanks again for sharing your wisdom with everyone today, and I look forward to reconnecting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life, at chiefexecutiveboards.com slash book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEVI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.